the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Why can't conservatives and liberals just get along? They can. Welcome to The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It's your Tuesday morning answer. Brian Whitman looking very handsome in teal. I'm Jennifer Horn, and uh, you're in our 6 o'clock club. Thanks for joining us bright and early right at the start of things. That's how we like it. You're a platinum member of the morning answer 6 o'clock club because you are hearing us on first words, first first breath, first words of the morning for a Tuesday. Oh, and by the way, you as you mentioned, Tuesday, I look back. It's been a slow news week to last Tuesday. Not <laughs> really? much Tuesday again, really. Feels like it really dragged. There was not a whole lot going on this last week. Yeah, I think, what did I say yesterday? So last week was the most interesting week of the year. And strap in because here we go, week number two. It's going to be uh, it's going to be competitive, I think, with last week. And certainly we saw that. What we're talking about, of course, is President Trump and his campaign's challenges of voter fraud, his allegations of voter irregularities in in several states, and as promised, the lawsuits have started to uh, fly in from the Trump legal team. Here's what we have so far, just to do kind of a rundown of what is in play right now. First of all, sure. there are recounts because in some of the states that are looking to certify their vote, the margins are thin, are very slim. So in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, those states all have recounts that could be deployed over the next couple of days. That being said... There are suffice to, it's an important note, I think some of the recounts in some states in California, it's certainly true. If a, if an election result is so close, it will automatically trigger a recount. It's right. an automatic secretary of state elections officials function to recount them. The Trump team in these cases is calling legally making a case for recounts. Yeah, there's some that are being triggered automatically. I think Pennsylvania, Georgia will probably, once everything gets counted, automatically go into a recount. And the reason that matters is that a candidate, when it's the, when it's close, a candidate can call for a recount and the campaign pays for it. And it's a few million dollars to pay for it. If it is that close, inky-binky, like amount of space, like it is going to be in Pennsylvania, and it's in Georgia, the taxpayers, then <laughs> it's automatic in the state. So we it's all get important. to pay for that. It is important when votes are that close to recount them. The distinction here will be whether the Trump team's legal arguments convince election officials to manually, or for lack of a better term, not automatically, begin a recount. So that is underway kind of organically aside from the campaign. Yesterday, we learned that there are going to be many fraudulent lawsuits that claim fraud. There's already been one arrest made in Pennsylvania. Another UPS worker, so this makes two, has agreed to testify in court that supervisors were backdating ballots. And remember, the issue in Pennsylvania is that before this election, they changed the law to allow ballots to come in three days after election day with postmark or with out. The Trump campaign is saying, look, if it's postmarked, if it went through the system and uh, you can prove that it was mailed before Election Day, that's a legal ballot. If you can't, there is a question about whether or not those were not just dumped in the system at the last minute. And that story got my attention yesterday because it was my understanding the U.S. Postal Service were the only 
folks who could touch these ballots. UPS, of course, a private company. I think of it as, the, uh, of course, UPS and FedEx. I mean, these are not the U.S. Postal Service. So it struck me as odd why UPS was involved. I really still don't know why that Certain is. Certain states, again, and this is, this is part of the confusion, I think. It's one of the things that we need to take from this is that as much as I am a, a federalist, I, I believe in federalism. I believe that we should leave states up to decide what's best for them. There's a lot of confusion about a election law because each state is different. Each state has its own set of standards. Like in Georgia, if you don't get 50% plus one vote, it's a runoff. That is something that we don't do here in California. It's just a majority. So there's lots of little bits and pieces to uh, to all of this. There are also some challenges about the Dominion voting machines. I don't know if you've heard about these, but in I Michigan... Uh, the term Dominion meaning... It's a brand, basically. So oh, it's, oh, okay. It's so a, that's a company that manufactures these electronic voting machines. Correct. And they are a company that did the voting machines for Michigan, Nevada, and I believe Georgia. There might be another state on that list, just going out of memory. And in Michigan, there was a, and I'll use air quotes here, a glitch that would assign, assign counties to Biden. And then when you went back in and challenged those results, entire counties were being flipped to the Trump side because of this glitch in these machines. So that is also an investigation that's underway about the Dominion vote counting machines. It's It's used in in 47 counties in Michigan, and it's also used in several different states. In the the middle of uh, these are among the most stressed legal arguments from the Trump campaign that are coming here to trigger the recounting of votes, et cetera, et cetera. Just the ones we know about as of yesterday, yes. Well, that's right, and, and it's a and it's a fairly decent list. I mean, the court reporter, whomever that person is, is getting uh, the stenography, is uh, the carpal tunnel this week with, with all of this. Uh, the the uh, uh, There's more to hear, but from the other side, the Kamala Harris, excuse me, the Joe Biden. See, I'm doing it, too, saying Kamala Harris's name first. <laughs> they she are likes thre- that, by the way. I know. It's rubbing off on everyone. They are threatening a lawsuit here uh, in uh, in the event that the president doesn't begin some more transition processes. But I know we have uh, more challenges, and it's it's the reason that there is no concession here. Right. And I think you said – I think I said UPS, USPS is what I meant, which is probably why you went. Why are you saying UPS? Well, it's a big deal. It's a big difference. That <laughs> yeah, S the matters. The Postal Service. Your... I thought I <laughs> yeah, said it. Right. I apologize. So, no, it's, it's important. Thank you. I, I didn't – I did but not know. But each state actually goes through whether or not there's a, post, a legal postmark on this because uh, the Postal Service wa- will, when it processes – ballots obviously put a postmark on the envelope. Now, there's been some conversation about postage paid envelopes and all of these things. In any case, this is part of the legal argument that the Trump campaign is waging. And one of those unique rules, again, every state has these different rules. In Georgia, 132,000 ballots in Fulton County have been identified, which are likely ineligible. Keep in mind, at this point, there is like a 10,000, 11,000 votes separating these two candidates in the state of Georgia. 132,000 ineligible ballots could make a difference. A self-described Democrat party worker who was a Michigan resident bragged on Facebook, I work for Wayne County, Michigan. I threw out every Trump ballot I saw, tens of thousands of them, and so did all of my coworkers. Now, now uh, the he's person being who pursued. Would, uh, uh, okay, the person who would say that out loud is obviously confessing to a significant crime. So, I mean, th- that's why th- this, this challenge, of course, is going to a place where uh, some folks are jumping off the wagon, so to speak, and a a poll in the last 24 hours says most Americans don't believe the claims of voter fraud that the president has been making 
since a week ago, Tuesday of last week, Wednesday, more specifically, and they nor do they believe that most Republicans actually also believe them. It's interesting because I don't know if uh, I don't know what poll that is, but I saw a poll from Morning Consult and Politico, and they did a poll. <laughs> God knows what we can do with polls after the last election, so it's, <laughs> well, it's right. kind of weird to cite hang, them. You can hang your hat on a poll. Exactly. Line your birdcage <laughs> with them. But there were 1,987 registered voters that were asked by Morning Consult and Politico. Of the Republicans who responded, 70% of Republicans believe that the 2020 election was neither free nor fair. And this is the point. This goes so far beyond Trump or Biden. And truly, I don't know if there's going to be enough votes different here. I'm willing to accept a Biden presidency if that's where the evidence is going to lead. But I think we owe ourselves this investigation because of what we've seen in California for so long. uh, Fraudulent votes, dead people receiving ballots, all of these things, because the nation is going in the direction of California elections. And it doesn't have to do with the candidate. It's about ensuring that people don't lose faith in the system, because when they do, that's when we have a real problem with our with our republic, with our democracy. So well, I, I, I agree with that, with that significant macro argument. But the issue with regard to this presidential election, the evidence of voter fraud, the evidence of irregularities has to be relevant to last Tuesday and the days before that when ballots were being sent in. Absolutely. And uh, I think and, I just read off a bunch of different headlines that are being investigated yeah, no, no, that no. would suggest voter fraud and irregularities. And, right. and you, also, you, you, you also said that it's because of what has happened in the past and here in California. And while I agree with you and heard what you said, it's real. It's very important distinction. You are right. There is voter fraud and there and there are problems with securing votes. Period. New sentence. How much of that was present in this presidential election? For, and that's the investigation that we need to give well, some time to. Well, that's the Trump to. legal team's case. That's And also legal investigation. So yesterday, Attorney General Barr said if there are real instances of voter fraud, he's instructing people to his, his Department of Justice to prosecute those. You have Republican attorneys general taking legal action over the Pennsylvania mail-in ballots. That's going to be a source of contention, so much so that uh, the media which called uh, Pennsylvania for Joe Biden on Saturday, making him president-elect in their eyes. If you look at real clear politics, Joe Biden is not the president-elect. President Trump is not the president-elect. They still have Pennsylvania in the neutral category. They have Arizona in the undecided toss-up category. They have Georgia in the toss-up category and several others. So I think it's really important that we don't assign a huge amount of faith to what the news media told us on Saturday. I think we have to... In all good conscience, let this play out. Let's see if there's something there before we move on. All right, as we continue, Joe Biden acting in the realm, at least he believes he's a president-elect. What is he going to do on his first day in office? Well, he's making plans, and he's telling you. You won't believe what it is as your Tuesday Morning Answer continues. News and talk you can trust. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us on your Tuesday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and yesterday, Joe Biden getting together a COVID-19 task force. His first move as president-elect, and that is what the media is calling him. I don't believe that's true until the votes are certified. So I will say, allegedly, the president-elect. Allegedly. Okay, allegedly. Well, yeah, because certain media outlets have called it for him and certain certain ones have not. If you look at Real Clear Politics today, right now, there is no president-elect. It's 259 to 214. So there's still a lot to be decided. So so there's something important to be said here that the uh, one of the significant stories today is that the 
General Services Administration, which is responsible for overseeing the presidential transition when one president is a president-elect or wins an election, or I know as uh, some believe did not, or we don't know yet, access to Washington office space, access to, for example, classified information, access to all of the mechanisms and levers of the transition process are in this moment being... Uh, not accessed by the by the president. Well, once there, there's Joe a declared Bi- winner, those uh, those funds will be accessed. Right now, there is well, not a declared winner. Well, the the uh, the Biden Harris trans and again, if and this is all just what folks believe, and this is all just what folks think, and we understand that. And and I know that some folks are inclined to not have wanted President Trump to be in office, and some folks are inclined to have wanted him to stay. And folks obviously voted either way with great respect for how people decided a week ago or before that when they mailed their ballot in. But suffice right. to say there are numbers in, and suffice to say there, there there's math on the board. And with that in mind, the Biden-Harris transition team this morning is considering pursuing, speaking of legal action, the president's been with Rudy Giuliani and and that crowd out there for the last several days, legal action from the Biden-Harris team, uh, if the head of the federal agency, and that is uh, the general, uh, the, 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 the GSA, GSA right. uh, if they don't move in the coming days to free up funding and access to agencies. It's, li- administ- it's not like this is a strike. So uh, just to just to put it into to perspective here. It's a once, legal argument. It's exactly what I said. Once there is – so we can talk about feelings and who voted for who and who wants who in the White House. But the truth is right now right there is no declared winner. We have not certified – I mean, that's really the question. Well, until I mean, we certify. By the way, this okay, this story, I can answer your question, but we have not cer- but we have not certified the results yet. Each state has to certify results of their state. That. That's when we get to a president elect. Right now, depending on the media outlet, you have Joe Biden either at three hundred vote, uh, three hundred electoral votes, or you have him at two hundred and fifty nine. So there is not a clear cut winner in this because there are legal challenges and recounts that still have to be had. Speaking. Now, in a couple of weeks, when those things are certified, all of the resources will be turned over. In the meantime. Nothing's been held back from Biden. He's already forming his transition team. He's already been given access to some intelligence. He's already been given some access to coronavirus and the briefings. In fact, that's how yesterday he was able to form his his coronavirus task force, which was announced and we talked about it here. That's how he was able to have a phone call with the governors with this idea of his first day in office. He wants to impose a mask mandate. Now, he knows that's unconstitutional. So he's talking to governors to try to get them to come together to make that a mandate in each individual state. That's right. Is your perception that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and a whole lot of people in this country think that the election is really legitimately, mathematically, razor thin and undecided at this point on a Tuesday, a week after the election, this is a significant story because the stability of the federal government is hanging in the balance here. And the Biden-Harris team uh, is not getting full access to information. They are not getting the full cooperation of a federal presidential transition. We know this because we know history and we know, speaking of legal claims, a claim they are threatening and not making, but threatening to make this morning. So on the flip side of that is this, is this, uh, I just, I think it's a different 
understanding or belief or determination on either side. I just think we need to look at the facts. And the facts are that no state has certified their election results yet. So well, that's also true a week after most elections. When, I mean, the certification right, but there are questions time. in this one. So last time around, there were legal challenges, and people are not talking about this. Hillary Clinton launched a whole series of legal challenges after the 2016 election. So I, I think it's kind of it's funny that it's making it seem like this is the first time that someone has challenged us. Historically, this has happened. Time. And and so well, Hillary we wait Clinton, until these challenges are done. We wait. I mean, don't you think it's fair? I mean, just forget about th- who the characters are. Don't you think it's fair I'm, that we wait for the recounts to take place? Uh, the recounts they haven't even that, been done yet. The recounts that are triggered by automatic uh, by law automatically when the numbers come in are state law in the 50 mm-hmm. different states that that govern their own elections. So having said that, the the recounts that the Trump legal team is trying to compel with legal arguments are a different thing. And the elections we reference are a different thing. If you were Hillary Clinton four years ago, who, by the way, who, who, by the way, lost the election, she did have about three or four million more popular votes. So and, and hold on. Yeah, hold on. So the feelings and by the way, a former President Bush won Florida by 537 Absolutely. Votes. And when These did are... we get clarity on that? We got clarity on that. What was it, December the 12th? But that's not my point. My point is there's a very big difference between 537 votes in Florida and uh, what we have here, which is about 4 million more votes nationally for the former vice president. I, look, folks, we'll decide what they think. Or but let's they... not even talk about what people feel or believe. Let's just feeling. talk about – but it's not. Let's just talk about the facts. First of all, the – as you mentioned, because you're putting up – you're distinguishing, it sounds like, between uh, the state-required well, – re- the am. legally required recounts and the ones that are going to be requested from the campaign. Of Those have not even happened yet. The state – this automatic state recounts have not even happened yet. So that's number one. Number two, the – you don't even have to take legal effort to uh, – you don't even have to have, like, a legal action to ask for a recount. A candidate can ask for a recount if they pay for it. So they might decide to pay for it in these certain states. It doesn't even require a judge's decision. You can say, hey, we want you to recount it. Here's $3 million, which is about what it costs approximately in each state. And that can be triggered. The point is this. Isn't it better? Because uh, we can talk about popular vote and how much. The truth is over 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. And uh, of those people. How many million? Since we're talking numbers, how many million voted for the former vice president? About 73. about so, 74 million. Okay, 74. Whatever it is. Yeah, the math a large is kind of chunk, irrelevant. half of the country is my my point. Just about half of the country is questioning the integrity of this election. Wouldn't it even be better if Joe Biden is indeed the winner and he goes on to become president in January? Wouldn't it be better for him if people like me and oh, I don't know, 70 million other Americans actually thought that the process had been vetted because right now keep from our perspective the Republicans' respective perspective for four years, you've had the news media complacent in, complicit in this attempt to always constantly put out false news. If you look at some trusted source like Real Clear Politics, which I think we've lived and died by it in the past, where we've looked at polls, and or you the say former that President even they, George W. Bush, speaking of Republicans, even or, they haven't declared a winner yet. Can't we just? I mean, what is the well, harm yeah, we in can. giving it yeah, two weeks to we make can. sure can. that the results are certified and true, and that we've had a free and fair election? Is that going to hurt anybody? Uh, yes, because right I now, really uh, take issue with the fact that you say okay. that this is pride, that well, this I, is I'll, somehow making the country well, unstable. Because I don't think that it is. We're still safe. We're still fine. We're living our life. And in two okay. weeks, if Biden's the president, he'll get access to everything he needs to get access to.
Uh, the story I reference, as you well know, is the is the argument being made, threatened to make by the Biden Harris legal team who has not who has not. It's fact have access to the full information of a presidential transition. Now, if you if you disbelieve that or you don't think that's happening, it's fine. But but it is happening. And speaking of all of the courtroom arguments, the Trump team has been making them. It's their right to do it. It's also the right of the president elect. But we don't to, have one yet. That's the point. That's OK. The point. And that's what you th- and again, uh, uh, I, I appreciate that distinction. Well, the media they, doesn't they, call the election, they, right? <laughs> Excuse me. The media does not call the election. We as I said on, on this program last week. Right. So the, the, then, by I, your own rules, we have no uh, president elect, other than what CNN and Fox News have told us. The LAPD <laughs> making big budget cuts will tell you what will change over the next few months here in Los Angeles as your Tuesday morning answer continues. The morning answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to the answer. Thanks for joining us on your Tuesday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and you, 855-785-8255 is the number specially set up for our 6 o'clock club members. 855-785-8255. And Whitman, (laughs) boy. Some days, okay, you know, when you're in this job, you can look at a lot of headlines and you sort of become desensitized. And then one day one smacks you in the face and went, really, is this <laughs> is this where I'm living? Is this one really just kinda, what's happening? It's a real head turner. What do we have this morning that is really, it's like a whack-a-mole. They, they bubble, boom. But occasionally some of them are, you need a bigger mallet to pound because yeah. you can't even believe they're in. So what is that and headline? I'm full, and I want to admit to you, I understand that I am fully biased because I think that this is just a bad track. And I know that there's a lot of people who are probably cheering this decision today, but you people, really a problem for me. Oh, the decision here in this story now? The LAPD is getting another budget cut. So they've already been cut. Now they're going to cut another $150 million. Okay. And uh, this is going to make 234 officers leave special deployment. So special victims unit, meaning rape, child trafficking, um, and I would say like gang and drug trafficking, right, the gangs unit, all of those. Those officers are leaving those special deployments, and they're going back on patrol. They're reducing desk hours. The special deployments will stop. stop. They will not staff teams that cover homelessness issues anymore, which – Hello, they're not fixing that problem. That problem's not going away just because you're cutting your budget. Well, that's right. And uh, Michael Moore, the LAPD chief, said that they're reorganizing the entire LAPD to accommodate these budget cuts. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine whose husband works for the CHP, not for LAPD. Okay, but they're, uh, the the chief is uh, – we'll get to the chief in a moment. The officers are, are have turned on the chief. Yes, and he actually was speaking to – I think it was Bill Malusian yesterday at Fox 11 locally yes. and it said, you know, maybe I haven't done a great job having my officers back for the last couple of years. So he's he knows that he's hugely unpop- unpopular right now with LAPD officers. But my friend, whose husband is a CHP guy. Right. He, we were talking about this over the weekend, actually, and she said, you know what's happening here is that all you're going to do is that there will be no officers who are investigating things anymore because they're killing all the special deployments. That's right. What they're going to be doing is just hiring a bunch of ticket takers. So what are we going to see? We're going to see more speeding tickets. We're going to see more cell phone you know, infringements when you're driving and talking on your cell phone. All the little stuff is going to become the big stuff for the LAPD, and all of the big crimes are going to get no treatment or scrutiny because they don't have the money to do it. 
Well, yes, the funding is, uh, of course, uh, and with the effort underway to yank, by the way, uh, the uh, Sheriff Villanueva here and locally with the LAPD as more broadly uh, with county and the survey, 90 percent of police officers and, and Chief Moore has put out in the last 24 hours an apology to the officers. Ninety percent have said they don't feel supported by Chief Michael Moore. That is a that is an overwhelming crisis of confidence in the chief of police of LAPD, Michael Moore, voted, uh, by the way, confirmed by the officers that he leads. Yeah. And 90 percent of them and they and many of them point to the moment when Chief Moore knelt, kneeled down with protesters. And that happened earlier in this 2020. So now you have uh, an overwhelming number of officers saying they would retire now if they could. And this reminds me. Here in Los Angeles, going back, I guess, to 1998, when Bernie Parks was was the chief of police mm-hmm. and uh, officer. Oh, in, in fact, the reason I recall it is we had a couple of officers on the radio at the time who said Jennifer out loud, if heaven forbid, but this is what they said, if I should uh, die in the line of duty is what they were saying. I do not want chief parks speak, at my funeral right? yeah. and that was a very big story for that's all co- of the obvious reasons that's a cold insult or it should be taken that way anyway yeah it's a lack of a total lack of confidence and mm-hmm. trust and loyalty now it's diff no one is saying that out loud that i'm aware of with regard to chief moore however the poll yeah. is significant well, i know with the officers saying they don't feel uh, uh they don't so- feel The people, the reason that people go into law enforcement, and look, I get it. There are some bad people that have gone into law enforcement, but by and large, the bulk of the people are good, and they enter law enforcement because they want to enforce the law. They want to keep people safe. This is why they go into this field, and they're going to have their hands tied here in Los Angeles. This is what, just for more detail as to what they're cutting, he, Michael Moore, I'm talking about, that's the he, went to the LA Times, did an article, uh, did an interview with them yesterday, and he told them that the department is going to cut air support. Think about that. Think about what you lose when you don't have the eyes from above. When we and forget the car chases and the silly. I mean, some of that stuff is silly. Some of those it are is mostly news choppers, uh, right. above, Right. That's sky nine. And some of that is dangerous, <laughs> but some of it is silly. And we overplay it in L.A. because everybody loves to watch it. Don't know why. But the air support for people when there's a suspect on the run going in and out of people's yards and into the neighborhood. I can't tell you how many times I've had LAPD helicopters because you know where I live uh, over my house <laughs> with the light shining around, and at least they're right. following where the people are going. Without that. That ties the hands of officers. So they're uh, cutting air support. They're cutting robbery, homicide, gang, and nor- narcotics units. All of those will be gone. And all of this is because the city council cut the department's budget, and they've done it big. They did it last year. They did it this year. And uh, this is what they have to deal with now. So they just have to make these cuts. And now, thanks to the incompetent city council, you're going to have a lot of people out there giving speeding tickets and not a whole lot else. It's just, well, that's exactly right. And the funding is a very, is, is very real. In fact, it's, uh, it's, it's been in, in the conversation here, uh, in 2020 with all across the country, local departments being threatened with defunding, et cetera. We have here the LAPD, uh, the chief, Michael Moore, who emailed officers over the weekend to say that he was sorry for some of the public statements he'd made following protests about policing, and he pledged to do better. Fox 11 obtained the email, the letter, and it says, and I'll just quote it, Jen, verbatim, I apologize, and it's to the officers from Chief Moore. I apologize to those of you I failed by my actions or words. I believe to my heart each action was the right thing to do. Uh, this is uh, largely in reference uh, to, to the uh, 
uh, to, to, to his, as the officers go, the survey results showing 90% said they would retire immediately from LAPD if they were able to do, and specifically 86% say they feel unsupported, which is the term, by Chief Michael Moore. And that's a bad, that's a bad word to hear when you are the police chief, because here's the thing, whether or not you want to investigate your, your officers or if there's, there's reports of misbehavior, you want the bulk of your officers to feel like you have their back. It's like working at any place, right? When we feel like we don't have support of the people that we're we're trying to to serve and work for, that becomes a huge problem, right? It puts a lot of pressure on you. I mean, it puts pressure on you. It makes your performance worse. And so what is that message? If he feels like he's losing confidence, I mean, I think it's time, and I'm not trying to be a shock jock here because I know you like to say I'm being a shock jock. (laughs) But I think it's time for Michael Moore to go. I think he needs to go. I don't know that you can repair the damage that has been done. And I think the police need someone who is going to at least support them. It doesn't mean that you're giving them the 100% to run buckshot over the whole uh, city of Los Angeles. But you're at least giving them the support that they need and somebody that they feel like will have their back. That's exactly right. And when you're leading a police department, I and obviously uh, when you're it's – a, it's a public – It's the police department. So the officers, I would say, first and foremost, and I understand this, need the they need to feel as if they are supported by the chief. This is a significant, gigantic issue. Eighty six percent saying of officers. It's not the public. This is the officers saying they don't feel supported by Chief Moore. That is a crisis of leadership, a crisis of confidence. And in the police department is probably the first place you don't want. Let's take a page out of my Whitman Broadcast School handbook here. And if you are an LAPD police officer Chime in. I think Michael Moore should go. I think I'd also think the city council and Garrett Garcetti should go because I think they've all been failures, too. But if you are a police officer, you can be anonymous. Let us know what you think of Michael Moore. 855-785-8255. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer battling it out on the floor of the Senate yesterday as your Tuesday morning answer continues. News and talk you can trust. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us on The Morning Answer. It's Tuesday. We're starting off the work week. Well, we did that yesterday. Now we're really getting into the swing of things. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and speaking of the swing of things. Now, I know we're, you know, we are on different sides of the equation when it comes to just who the president-elect is or if there is one yet. We've established that. Well, it's a big story. But I think you'll appreciate the fact that yesterday – also on the say uh, on in differing sides, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell also oh, yes. arguing about oh, yes. who the president elect is, and, um, and dispensing with some of the courteous, polite formalities of the U.S. Senate. Really going for it well, on each side. You know, they always say like if you have beet juice, like it opens up your blood vessels to really get your circulation pumping. Or, you get... or gin blossoms is another one, right? I said not beet juice. It's I think it's a little bit different. Let's just say the majority beet leader juice. Mitch McConnell, the minority leader Chuck Schumer. <laughs> They had their beet juice and their gin blossoms yesterday well, because there was their, a lot of energy. Their, their blood flowing on the Senate floor yesterday, no doubt. You know, usually we get Mitch McConnell. Come on, you know who you're Where's my beet juice? We got a little of that. We got a little gel. <laughs> no, very little. But there was a little excitement here, a little pep to the step of old Mitch McConnell. Take a listen. This is how he started on uh, Democrats and just how this process should be allowed to carry through. Let's not have any lectures. Sorry, that's my favorite part that's of the a, whole He thing. said the – yeah, right. That's great. We need to have that. Um, oh, here we go. Look, we've got it already through the magic. So anytime either one of us gets long-winded, this is what we're going to give each other. Ready? 
Let's not have any lectures. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Oh, we've got it on our button bar. All right, here and we go. And the fun thing okay. is that's what he says before he, he sort of lecturing. maybe goes on. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not have any lectures. No lectures about how the president should immediately, cheerfully accept preliminary election results from the same characters who just spent four years refusing to accept the validity of the last election and who insinuated that this one would be illegitimate, too, if they lost again. Only if they lost. I'm sorry, what? So let's no have no lectures on this subject oh, no lack. from Thank that you, contention. All right, so there you have Mitch McConnell saying, give it some time, then talking about Hillary and uh, Pelosi. So we always we're we're dipping back into the Hillary files. Here's a little more from uh, Mitch McConnell. In late August, Secretary Hillary Clinton said, quote, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. I think this is going to drag out and he will win it if we don't give an inch. That same month. Speaker Pelosi and the Democratic leader both stated, quote, President Trump needs to cheat to win. In October, when Speaker Pelosi was shopping some conspiracy theory about the Postal Service, she recklessly said, quote, listen to this. I have no doubt that the president will lie, cheat and steal to win the election. Now, does this sound like a, like a chorus that has any credibility whatsoever to say a few legal challenges from President Trump represents some kind of crisis. Let's not have any lectures. <laughs> what? Oh, back to back to the beginning. That's I, I agree, Senator. I agree. Well, he wasn't the only one. Now, <laughs> we <laughs> yesterday on the program, we had actually let me find it just in case you want to remember. Go back in time. You remember this? From... Way, yes. Well, see, by the way, a day can be a really long time in this environment. Believe of me. Information coming. Forward. I can't remember what I said two minutes ago. Here's Chuck Schumer. Now we take Georgia and then we change the world. Yeah. Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. Okay, you notice that the difference there, not only did he change the world, and then he's changing he put America. He the mask on, you can he hear He put it, the right? mask on, because yeah. he was out in the streets celebrating <laughs> with no mask. Yesterday, and I was watching this with my very liberal mother, Chuck Schumer had the world's longest coughing fit, and I went, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like, you know, what's... Full-on you know, Marco Rubio, where he lunged for his water bottle. I mean, whoop. it was hard to watch. The guy was really <laughs> suffering. Now, he did make the case, however, that Biden is the next president, and that people just need to come to the table and get to work. The counting of the vote took a little longer than most Americans might have expected or hoped. Indeed... We've got one who says not to lecture. The other sounds like he's reading a storybook to kindergartners. Well, this is why you have to appreciate in this moment, you couldn't find two people more (laughs) far apart. And and the the difference of the of of the opinion or the feeling typically is uh, here and other places is is that gap is bridged by the commonality of, you know, humanity. Right. But these two folks here, Schumer and. McConnell, they are as far apart. It reminds me very briefly. Remember the president with Leslie Stahl on 60 right. Minutes? President Trump walked out. I was watching. It's all, it goes on for 45 minutes, the unedited version. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find two people who are coming to an issue or a conversation from like one is from outer space Women and the other from is Mars. from the core of the inside of the planet. Right. They're Women so are from far Mars. Men are from Venus. 
Yeah, but <laughs> maybe Democrats are from Mars and Republicans <laughs> are from Venus or Republicans are from Mars and Democrats, whatever. It doesn't feel like the same planet. I sometimes. just visualize when I hear Chuck Schumer here that he's called over Chuck Grassley, Richard Blumenthal, and they're all sitting on little slices of carpet like we used to in kindergarten, and they're all gathered around. The counting of the vote took a little longer than most Americans might have expected or hoped. Indeed, some of the final tabulations are not yet complete. It is still to be determined which party will hold a majority in this chamber. But we do know a few things. First, and most importantly, former Vice President Joseph Robinette Biden will become the 46th President of the United States. Our dear colleague, the distinguished Senator from California, Kamala Harris, will be the next Vice President of the United States. And on January 20th, the country will finally, finally turn the page on one of the most divisive and chaotic chapters in our history. And in the meantime, he's just going to kind of get in there and divide it a little bit more between now and then. Uh, Chuck Schumer is putting forward words that a lot of people are saying, not all the people, of course. It's very, very significant that in this moment we have a president who is not conceding. And and by the way, that's not even said. The words are not a disparagement. It's just a fact. The president is not conceding the election. Now, you might say because he has significant reason to. And you might say, well, it's gone on a little bit too long now. When is the finish line envisioned? I just here? think we need and, and truly I, I would. Look, I will do. I will accept. I will not. I'm not. I've already told you I'm not going to be miserable for four years. But when I look at an electoral map and I still see one, two, three, four, five states that have not made a call yet, it's premature to call anybody a president elect. We just have to give this a few more days, a few weeks to try to filter this all out so that we know where we stand with the uh, with the electoral college and what the map actually ends up looking like. The fact that five states have not yet determined who their candidate is or who the person is that's the winner of the state, that's problematic, especially when the states are Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona – and Alaska, I don't know what's happening in Alaska. I mean, we Alaska's just get kind of there. Well, they're not I mean, even attached to the country. Well, do you know what like the truth is? Like, here's the deal with Alaska. They've only counted like 54% of their vote. Now, I guess the question here that folks might be considering or the question that's creeping up on all of us is when is when is this all not okay? And I think once that's the votes important. Are certi- Honestly, my answer is once the vote is certified, okay. then we either need to move on or we need to make our change, whatever it is. So a, a, a follow-up question. On January 20 of, of the next year, 2021, when the, the president is takes the oath of office, on that date, what if this is happening? What if one candidate says he didn't lose – and he's in the White House, by the way. Here's he's something I, I believe, and I think you'll acknowledge, that I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of how Trump operates. And I think that right now he legitimately believes that there are some questions that need to be asked. I don't think if those questions have been answered and if this is put to bed and resolved, I don't. I think the president will peacefully transition. I don't think he's going to try to camp out. I don't, I don't believe any of that. I think that's all scare tactics from the media that likes to set up false narratives about the president. I think the president knows about legacy and optics, and he knows right now that there are questions that need to be answered before we make decisions and move on. And I think that's where we stand. And I think we can give it two weeks to provide our country with a access to a fair and free election. I appreciate that. I'm going to mark the calendar here. You guys can all uh, – two weeks. That would be a week from today, well, wouldn't it? 
It, it, look, here's the thing. Whenever the results are certified, in some places it'll be two weeks, in other places it'll be at the end of the month. When the legal challenges and the vote certification okay. is done, then we make our decisions we move forward. Is it going to be enough to change? We don't know. We have to see what's there. But I think it's good for the country if we do this. As we continue, uh, maybe some key people leaving the state of California to work for a potential Biden administration. You won't believe who is on this hot list. As your Tuesday morning answer continues.